Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com slash give. Good evening. I, um, a few hours ago, I got back from a funeral in, um, where's the University of Illinois? Champaign. Uh, the man who first shared the gospel with me my freshman year of college, he lost his 11-year-old son, and it was awful. Um, within a span of 36 hours, he, um, he was healthy, he got sick, and he died. So I went there because I just wanted to tell him I love him, tell him I'm thankful for him. And um, I told him, well, I told his wife that we would pray for him. And so will you please, I know today is a day that we gather together to give thanks, and that tomorrow is Thanksgiving, but will you please remember him in your prayers as you give thanks, and his family. His name is Scott Berkey, his wife's name is Unchung, and they have two daughters, Maya and Ava, and um, their son's name is Jaden, the one who died. Pray with me. Father God, I pray for the Berkeys. I pray that their prayers would not be bitter, that they would be sweet, that you would shower them with your love, show them your care for them, and that they would persevere, and that their lives would be glorious and bring glory to your name, that they wouldn't give up, they wouldn't give up hope, but that they would trust in you as their keeper. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Open up your Bibles to Psalm 121. If you don't have your Bible, just listen. Psalm 121, a song of ascents. I will lift my eyes up to the mountains. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you does not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. He will protect you from evil. He will keep your life, your soul. He will guard your going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 121 is a song of ascents. I don't know if you know, this is something I learned this week, but the songs of ascents is a group of 15 psalms between Psalms 120 and 134. And uh, they are noted by their brevity, by in general their, um, their joy, their cheer, and by uh, their repetitiveness. And uh, we don't know, this was a song, according to, to, to tradition, that the Israelites would sing on their pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem is a city on a hill, and so the mentality is that they would ascend to Jerusalem and sing the songs of ascents. And we don't know who the author is, 
Matthew Henry thinks it's David. I think he has a good argument, but we don't know. Um, And what I do know about this author is that he is a man, what I suspect is he is a man who trusted the Lord through experience, through years of experience. And he's using this psalm as an opportunity to teach somebody. I don't know who, you know, it could be his son, it could be a larger group of people, it could be all of Israel in general, but he's using this psalm as an opportunity to teach somebody. Notice the difference between verses one and verse two and verse three. You know, it starts out, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then it switches, verse three. Picture an older Jewish man communicating this to somebody who he loves. I'm Jewish. Picture me 20 years older. Speaking to one of my sons as he goes out into adulthood. Hudson, he will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you does not slumber. You see the difference there between the I and the my and the you and the your. And something interesting about this psalm that I noticed is that as a song of ascent and as a psalm that opens up with that first line, I will lift my eyes up to the mountains, this psalm takes the shape of a mountain. Verses one through four start by lifting up God by describing him. Who is he? He is the Lord. He made heaven and earth. He will not allow our foot to slip. You know, he's our keeper. He's the keeper of Israel. And then there's a distinct peak. Verse five, this is the thrust of the psalm. This is what the psalmist wants to teach us. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your keeper. That's why he wrote the psalm, to teach somebody that the Lord is your keeper. And then from there it descends. It descends back down to the blessings we receive by having the Lord as our keeper. That we are protected from the heat of the sun, from the cold of the moon. We're protected from evil. Our souls are protected. Our going out and our coming in, he protects us through those things. Do you see that? Do you see the ascension to God? The thrust, the peak, the Lord is your keeper. And then the descension, the the blessings we receive from having the Lord as our keeper. And when I think about this psalm, when I meditate on its truths, my heart is often filled with thankfulness, with gladness, as I think about the goodness of our Lord. I mean, thank God that when we ask this question that the psalmist asks at the beginning of the psalm, you know, I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come? That we don't have to hesitate, we don't have to pause, we don't have to wonder, we don't have to ponder. We can answer immediately, just like the psalmist, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You know, we don't have to ask ourselves, where does my help come from? You know, some of the Calvin, Spurgeon, they think that, that that's not the right question to ask. Why do you even ask that question? Because we know, 
our help comes from the Lord. And, um, you know, thank God that the one who is our helper is the one who is also the maker of heaven and earth. You know, I think about what do other people, when they ask this question, where does my help come? From where does it come? What do they answer, those who don't know the Lord? I lift my eyes up to the hills. Do they even lift up their eyes to the hills? I don't know. Do they look around? Do they ask for help from somewhere, anywhere? And do they have an answer? For a lot of people, that, the answer is no, they don't have an answer. My help, I don't know where my help comes from. Or you could give an American response. You know, well, I'm an American. I pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't need any help. Both of those fall way short of where our help comes from. And that's the only right answer, the only good answer to give, that my help comes from the Lord. And the one who helps us is the maker of heaven and earth. You know, he's not some divine watchmaker who winds us up and then walks off in the distance and doesn't care whether we thrive or whether we perish. He is our maker and he is our helper. He's not our enemy, although he once was. No, he is our helper, he is our maker, and and the one who helps us will not allow our foot to slip. Think about the weightiness of such a statement. I actually wanna get back to this point, that he will not allow our foot to slip, because that, um, that goes well with verse seven. So I'll get back to that, but think about the care, the power, the knowledge and the presence of the Lord that it takes that he will not allow our foot to slip. And I thank God that this is a 24 hour a day, seven day a week, for now and forever thing that the, that, that the Lord does. That he doesn't slumber and that he doesn't sleep. And if you're like me, I would encourage you to wake from your slumber. A few weeks ago, I preached on Psalm 139 at another church. And as I was preparing, I was convicted by verse six. David talks about God's omniscience, the fact that he knows everything. And in verse six, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Why was I convicted by that? Well, it's simple. When I think about God's omniscience, when I think about the fact that he knows everything, my response isn't one of of wonder. It's like, oh yeah, that's God. And when I think about the fact that he doesn't slumber nor sleep, my response is the same. That's God. But David's response, David's response to the fact that God knows everything is one of wonder. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Wake up from your slumber when you think about the fact that the Lord doesn't slumber. Does that fill your heart with wonder or or are you like me? You just brush that off, that's God. He's capable of those things. No, the Lord is your keeper and he is a good keeper. He's always awake, he's always alert. 
Now Psalm 127 too, unless the watchman, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The Lord is watching over us. The watchman may fall asleep, but the Lord doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep. He is a good keeper. You know, lately I've been clinging to passages that simply proclaim our need for the Lord. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I dread? Do you remember when my soul among lions played Psalm 27 this past summer? I remember it very well. I was sitting over there, and it was so sweet. I remember looking out and just seeing about a dozen hands in the air. People just sitting in their chairs, and they had their hands in the air. There's something I noticed about those hands. They didn't belong to young people. I remembered that. I made note of that. I learned something. I, I suspect that it's a lot of people who sit over here. I want to tell you I learned something from you that day. I learned a little bit more about the kind of man I want to be, someone who trusts in the Lord, someone who doesn't put confidence in his own flesh as much as I do. <clears throat> do you remember these words from my soul among lions? The Lord is my light, my help and salvation. Whom shall I fear with God on my side? The defense of my life, high rock and foundation. When I am spent, I go to his tent, enter and hide. Listen, he hems you in behind and before. He lays your hand upon you. When you trust in the Lord as your keeper, those kinds of words are sweet to your soul. But if you don't trust in him, you're just fidgeting, he's got his hand on you, you're squirming, you're fidgeting, he's still your keeper, but you don't trust in him, those words can be meaningless at times. Look at the blessings we receive by having the Lord as our keeper. You know, we don't need to worry about the sun and the moon as much you know, the cold of the, of the moon, the heat of the sun. We don't have to worry about that as much as the Israelites did. But he is still our keeper through those things. He gives us the ability to build buildings and to keep them warm in the, in the winter and to keep them cool in the summer. And even more so, he keeps us from so many things. He keeps us from evil. He keeps us from the evil within, from sin, from despair, from pride? How could I say such a thing? I don't know if, if you're like me, if you're thinking, well, I still sin, I still despair, I'm still prideful, so how can I say that the Lord keeps us from sin and from despair and from pride? Well, think about Romans 1. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. How does he pour out his wrath on people? Three times in, in Romans 1, it says, God handed them over 
to their sins. He handed them over to the lusts and impurities of their hearts. Three times. Does he hand us over? No. He does not hand us over to our sins. He does not pour out his wrath on us. He keeps us. An example of that, I don't have time, but I would ask you to ask me about my gambling addiction. Gambling addiction I had for two years, about 12 years ago, and how fervently I pursued that sin. How I was at the point where I wanted to dive in. And at some point, when I was furthest along in that sin, it it was as, as if I felt a hand on my chest, and God saying to me, you will not go another inch. I will not let you, and and I wanted it. I remember even, I knew it was God stopping me from that. And I, I remember even thinking, God, just give it to me, I want it. Let me, just for a couple years, I was deceived. But for a couple of years, let me just have this. Let me have this sin. Let me not be convicted of it. And Lord have mercy. I mean, the fact that I would even pray such a prayer. Lord have mercy. His answer was no. And I prayed again, no. Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. I mean, come on. We just read Psalm 100. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He will not let you wander off to be devoured by the devil. And what was God doing to me? What does he do to us when we pursue sin wholeheartedly? He keeps us. He doesn't pour out his wrath on us. And he, verse two, verse three, he does not allow our foot to slip. slip. And verse seven, the Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. This is what he does as our keeper. He protects us. He keeps us. He keeps our souls. And he keeps us at all times. He keeps our going out in the day and our coming in at night. He's here and he keeps us. He provides a safe place for us. Remember those words. My soul among lions. When I am spent, I go to his tent, enter and hide. He's here and he keeps us. Do you trust in him as your keeper? That's not an easy question to ask or a question to answer. But do you trust in him? An easier question you can answer is, um, could you trust in him more as your keeper? I mean, all of us can answer yes to that. Are you mourning right now? Scott and Unchung, Maya and Ava, if if they were here, I would say to them, trust in the Lord. The Lord is your keeper. Are you in despair over your sin? How many times in my life have I just thrown my hands up and said, I am never gonna get over this? Don't despair. He will keep you from evil. The Lord is your keeper.
Are you afraid about your health, your life, the lives of your loved ones, your wife, your husband, your father, your mother, your children? Come to him. He is a good shepherd. The Lord is your keeper. Is everything going great and you don't have a care in the world? Well, guess what? The Lord is your keeper. Trust in him through all things and trust in him as your keeper. I want to take a few minutes to share with you what I'm thankful for. But before I do so, I have to confess something to you. I think about what I'm going to say in this service months in advance. I'm talking like June. And um, this year, at some point, I just decided, you know, I'm tired. I'm not going to share anything. Work's stressful. I work too much. I'm in the pastor's college. Hebrew's kicking my butt. Tim says I'm ugly. I'm, I'm just tired, man. And then... <laughs> I was told I was going to be up here tonight. And thankfully, it didn't take me long to remember, not to realize, but to remember, because these are thoughts that I, I had already been thinking, but to remember that I have been more thankful for this church over the last year than I have in the, not two years, but four years since I moved here. Um, my life as a Christian, I have been afraid. I have feared man. I have been ashamed of the gospel far too often. And so I came here, my wife and I. And um, I was just strengthened by you. You know, seeing people not be ashamed of the gospel, not, not being afraid of man. And... Um, and you know, especially over this last year, I've just taken some small steps to stop fearing man, to stop being so afraid, and um, bear with me as I fight back the tears, but I've lost some Facebook friends. It's a joke. Thank you, thank you. Um, no, what's really happening is that I, I don't know where I stand with some of my family members. I'm on shaky ground with some of them. I have a cousin. I told him, you, you may have a piece of paper from the state of Massachusetts that says that you are married to another man, but God has defined marriages between a man and a woman. Therefore, I urge you to repent of your wickedness and believe in our Lord Jesus Christ. That was almost for, verbatim. And my brother caught wind of it. He confronted me about it when we last visited them in Connecticut this past summer. And it was a long and frustrating conversation. I don't want to get into the details of it, but um, at the end of it, it was, it was even more frustrating because we were at a birthday party. The party ended, and we'd all left, and we were in mid-conversation. And we hugged, and it was tense. And we loaded up the kids in the car and drove home 14 hours I had 14 hours to think about what in the world just happened. And that was a long drive. I mean, 14 hours is long, but that was long. And I remember there were two thoughts that were, uh, were fighting against each other in my head. 
as we were driving back, I remember first just thinking, Lord, I know that you, you say you'll divide families, but I'm weak. I don't know if I'm ready to pay this price. Lord, give me strength. And then the other thing that I was thinking of that gave me great comfort and joy was, thank God for Clear Note Church. You know, if I make that drive back to Columbus, Ohio, or if we get in a plane and fly to Long Beach, California, the overwhelming response to me to that conversation is, Alex, you failed. That conversation was a result of your failure. How dare you offend somebody? But instead I came here, and what's the response? I I spoke to some pastors, shared it with my home fellowship group, and instead here the response is, Alex, we love you, be faithful. That's all I needed. You know, so thank God for our pastors and elders. Thank God for their wives. Thank God for the godly men and women who for most of us have gone down this road much further than we have and and who can love us and care for us and rebuke us through these things so that we can be more holy. Thank God for the men we call brothers, the women we call sisters, and the many babies, the many children that God has blessed us with. Are you thankful I hope you are, and I want to hear about it. But I do want to give you one warning. Don't be prideful like me. Because let's face it, I said I was tired. That's just an excuse. I'm prideful. Humble yourself, and do not withhold the glory that is due to the name of our great God. Pray with me. Lord, you are our keeper. I pray that we would trust in you. You are our salvation. You're the stronghold of our life. You're our shepherd. And we shall not want. Let us look to you. Let us trust you. Let us love you and let us love one another. Thank you, Lord. And thank you for having a reminder that we can be joyful and thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.